Hello, welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple, and today we're back in the podcast studio here at Project Purple with a special episode. So something new that we wanted to try for 2020 or going into 2000, 2020, wow, say that 10 times, 2022. Let's, uh, let's not date ourselves here, but so something new that we're doing here in 22 is we are going to be producing um, a bunch of recap podcasts. So we came up with this idea recently. You know, we've we pushed out a, a ton of content over the last four years. We're we're coming on almost 200 episodes. So congratulations to the entire team here at Project Purple, producer Sam, all of our guests, all of our listeners. Uh, it's just been an, a great journey. To be able to use the podcast as an opportunity to raise awareness, share stories of inspiration, and share some cutting edge science, and uh, that's you know was the goal from day one, and we've continued that almost two hundred episodes. But something new that we're going to do this year is we are going to produce uh, these mini episodes, I guess that you would call them, in the sense that they won't be our traditional length, but they'll be shorter in length, and we're going to recap probably about six weeks prior to four to six weeks of shows into these uh, these shorter episodes and also share with you a little bit about what's going behind the scenes in terms of here at Project Purple, but also uh, what's going behind the scenes in the pancreatic cancer space. And, th- and that's kind of a segment that I, those, those two, are, I'm, I'm just kind of really excited to share with our audience. Typically, we don't promote stuff here that's going on here at Project Purple on our episodes uh, because they are focused on our guests. And we do get into the science every now and then and and talk about the latest and greatest, but uh, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper on these recap shows. So with that, I'm going to start us off with the the previous episodes that we've had uh, over the last couple of weeks here at Project Purple on the podcast, uh, going back to our first episode for the year, which was with uh, Dr. Uh, Harsha from Jiva Life. Uh, If you listen to the episode, then you you know a little bit about what this is all about. Um, They are really getting into the space of personalized medicine. And uh, Dr. Uh, Harsha had lost uh, a brother uh, at a young age to uh, to diabetes and just really has devoted his career uh, to finding, um, you know, a cure for rare and chronic conditions and in particular cancer. So they are using technology, social, uh, to really kind of, kind of put the pieces together to speed up therapy and development. And when we look at the space as a whole, this is what really gets us excited here at Project Purple to see technology and companies like Jiva Life and, and many others that are really trying to fast forward the science, fast forward the technology so that our loved ones have a shot. Um, and and have an opportunity to beat these diseases. And so we were really excited to have him on, talk a little bit about what they're doing, how to get involved, and where he sees himself in five and 10 years uh, with Jiva. So just really cool episode, a little bit different uh, because, you know, it's it's something that 
is not really happening right now in terms of the science, but potentially in five to 10 years could be a game changer, not only for pancreatic cancer, but so many cancers uh, and so many chronic illnesses uh, that patients around the world suffer from. So a great episode with uh, Dr. Harsha, a CEO and founder of Jiva Life. Our next episode took us all the way up to Maine to Michelle Miller. And wow, what a story Michelle had uh, from battling pancreatic, uh, battling breast cancer, excuse me, back in 2019 to then being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And uh, Michelle's story, I know, was, was a great one. Her attitude, her inspiration uh, from her family, from her blended family with her five kids and her husband just was really, really amazing. And for me, this hit home. Uh, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast. I, I carry the BRCA2 gene mutation. I lost my dad to pancreatic cancer. My mom's a two-time breast cancer survivor. And when Michelle said that she was BRCA2, it just, uh, it just really hit home for me. And being at a young age, um, you know, was something else that was just, uh, you know, pretty touching for me. Um, you know, a lot of people will say to me, well, pancreatic cancer is an old person's disease. Not that that makes it any better or any worse, but that's not true, folks. You know, th this is a disease that can impact anyone at any age. Um, but having a genetic mutation... And if you've listened to the podcast before, and if you've been following Project Purple over the last couple of years, this is a space that we are heavily, heavily, heavily involved on the research side uh, with our Precede study that we helped get off the ground. And we're, we're the principal funder of Precede, which is uh, the world's, uh, well, which will eventually, I should say, become the world's largest study for early detection of genetic mutations for pancreatic cancer. And some other things that we've done um, at the University of Nebraska Medical Center to help them get off the ground with their uh, early detection clinic four years ago, University of Chicago Medical Center, helping them uh, with their high-risk group there in Chicago. And so, you know, we've been heavily invested in the last couple of years in this high-risk group. And so to hear Michelle talk about, you know, getting original breast cancer diagnosis in 2019, but then understanding that she carried the BRCA mutation, but then not feeling well, you know, was really, um, you know, a godsend for her in the sense that, you know, she was able to get ahead of this thing really, really quick um, and get diagnosed at a stage 1B diagnosis for pancreatic cancer, be able to have surgery, chemo, and, you know, have an, an NED diagnosis um, at a very young age. So just really, really important, um, you know, in terms of how genetics play into this disease and how knowledge is power. You know, we, we've said that often on the podcast that the more that patients know, the more that people know, the, the more that will impact you in a positive way when being diagnosed or in the future and how to deal with things. And so um, I've become a big, big advocate for genetic testing. If you have family members, immediate family members, I should say, in your family that have been touched by pancreatic cancer, mother, father, uh, a sibling, um, you really should talk to a genetic counselor. Now, I'm not advocating that everyone go out and get genetic testing, but have that conversation with those experts. And you know, now with the way medicine has evolved, 
You know, genetic counseling is done at most major medical centers throughout the country. And, you know, with the pandemic, a, a lot of this stuff can be done via telehealth. So, um, you know, if you have a family member, uh, immediate family member in your family that has had pancreatic cancer, has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, you know, you really should talk to a genetic counselor because, you know, 10% of the cases are from genetic mutations. So there is a probability if that person did not do genetic testing when they were diagnosed, that potentially that is from a possible genetic mutation. But talking to the specialist is really, really critical and crucial. And uh, Michelle's story just really, really amplified that messaging of no, of knowledge is power. She knew she had that BRCA mutation. She knew she didn't feel well. She got checked right away. Her oncology team did a great job. And uh, you know she was able to get ahead of this thing and ring that bell um, you know, and, and not be a statistic. Uh, for pancreatic cancer. So just an inspiring story uh, from Michelle Miller about the importance of, you know, knowing, you know, what you have and, and you know, kind of adjusting and, and moving that, that, uh, that plan that you have in accordance with uh, the knowledge that you have, which is so powerful when it comes to these genetic mutations. So uh, Michelle Miller, great episode. Our next episode, we took a little bit of a trip and I had to get up early, which is uh, not uncommon for me, but I'm usually running early in the morning or working out. I'm not usually uh, on the, the Zoom podcasting at, at five o'clock in the morning, but we went all the way over to the UK to our new friend, uh, Byrony Thomas. And uh, Byrony's got a great story. Again, super young, in her, in her 30s, uh, or in, excuse me, in her 40s when she was diagnosed. And uh, she was diagnosed in December of, of 2019 and was able to have surgery right away. Uh, but really, really inspiring story. Again, uh, her family, her husband and her daughter, you know, the, the, the episode that really got me uh, with Bryony was the fact that uh, she kind of said her final goodbyes a bit. Uh, you know, and, and had this, this idea that this could be like it, you know, that could be her last Christmas with her, with her family. And then things, you know, did a change and she was able to beat this thing and have surgery and, and just, you know, go through this, but, you know, her inspiration and her, her drive to raise awareness, um, is just really, really amazing you know, for all the things that she went through, her Whipple, all the post-chemo, and, and she's got some permanent neuropathy, and she's had some life-changing things happen to her because of this cancer. It has not stopped her from trying to raise awareness. And, you know, she's uh, she's rolling out this, this wonderful program in the UK called Clue in the Lou, uh, which is just really talking about, um, you know, her experience you know, with, with pancreatic cancer and how she, you know, was, uh, was really seeing changes in her digestive system. Um, and, you know, starting to see changes in, um, you know, her urine and, 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 uh, you know, and how she was, uh, you know, digesting foods and how that was coming out. And it was something that, you know, for her, she kind of witnessed firsthand and right away, 
But you know, it's something that uh, us as a society, um, you know, we don't talk about enough, and we don't have those kinds of conversations. You know, if you're if you're going to the bathroom and and it doesn't look right, your poo that is, um, and you don't feel right, you know, in terms of you know you're bloated or you, you know you're just um, inconsistent in in going to the restroom and and you know having uh, bowel movements and and you know, that's, that's, that's a red flag folks. Um, you know, not that we want to, uh, you know, spend a lot of time on everyone's bowel movements here. That's not the idea here, but you know, if you're having inconsistent bowel movements, something inside is not going right. Um, and that should be something as a red flag, you know, that, uh, you need to talk to your general practitioner um, if you don't get the answers there, then, you know, you need to kind of find a specialist, a GI, you know, probably like a GI specialist to talk a little bit further and maybe do some testing, whether that's uh, in the U.S. or a colonoscopy or whatever that may be, have the conversation with those experts. But, you know, Bryony was just uh, really inspiring and really moving that message uh, in her campaign in the UK, which is Clue in the Lou, which, uh, you know, for those here in the United States, is just really that there's something in the uh, in the toilet that uh, potentially could be a clue to what might be going on inside of you um, that's not working properly. So just a really inspiring story. Her, uh, you know, again, just a, a young female battling this disease with a young family and just... Uh, just really, really inspiring for us here at Project Purple to hear these stories and to hear about people's perseverance through this disease, no matter how bad it gets. You know, she talked about how she was pretty active. She had a pretty big job, has her own marketing company. And, you know, she would she would work out every day. And now because of the cancer, she has permanent neuropathy. So she 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 can't really you know, she has issues with her feet, walking, she can't really run, uh, which is probably, you know, for most people who are super active, that would be devastating, right? But uh, she's kind of put that behind her and and she's moving forward and, and she's working really, really hard in the UK to uh, to continue to raise awareness and to continue to be an inspiration for so many people, not just in the UK, but across the globe and across the water here um, in the United States as well. So great episode uh, with Brian E. Thomas over in the UK. Our next episode that we had uh, previously on the Project Purple podcast, uh, we brought back an old friend. Uh, I should say an old friend, but uh, but a new friend, but someone who's been on the podcast previously, author and cancer survivor, Cynthia Hayes. And so something else that uh, we're doing this year that uh, I know we mentioned on Cynthia's episode, but we'll mention here, just like we're doing uh, quarterly recaps, we're going to have Cynthia on quarterly. And she is the author um, of The Big Ordeal, which is a great book. You can find that on Amazon. Um, you can download it on audio, and you can also get a, a hard copy sent to you. But one thing that we're doing with Cynthia this year, we had such a, a great original podcast, podcast episode where she talked about you know, her book and, and the inspiration for her book and how she beat cancer and the things that she did to beat that cancer diagnosis, which wasn't pancreatic cancer. But, you know, we could always learn from cancer survivors, regardless of the cancer. And we have really five topics uh, that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of months. I should say over the next year uh, with Cynthia on a quarterly basis. And the first one is 
the overview of why cancer is so emotional and what to expect. The second one is how cancer interferes with our emotional and physical intimate relationships. Third is uh, exercise, how exercise impacts uh, our cancer diagnosis and how to deal with that when battling cancer. The fourth is supportive communication with a cancer patient and how to talk to patients, uh, what patients want to hear and don't want to hear from friends and loved ones. And then the last one is self-advocacy, how patients can really become their, their greatest self-advocate when it comes to cancer diagnosis. So we're going to be going over these five topics throughout the year. We hope to bring in a couple of our former guests that have been on to talk about these topics individually, uh, potentially even as a panel with, with multiple guests. But our hope here with bringing Cynthia back on was really to hopefully share more information about cancer diagnosis. You know, I don't think anyone has a, has a book in their house that tells them how to deal with cancer diagnosis, right? Um, it's just like, you know, no one has a book on how to deal with death, right? And these are topics that we hope we bring awareness to and, and have conversations about that hopefully our audience listening at home, if and when you do go through something like that, you have some information that hopefully would be positive and beneficial to get through that time. So we're really looking forward to bringing Cynthia back on uh, over the year, as I said, and, and going over these five topics. Again, as part of uh, what we do here, um, it's not always about um, pancreatic cancer sometimes. Um, you know, we do go outside of our realm. And this is a great example. You know, Cynthia battled uh, a very aggressive ovarian cancer, uh, ovarian type of cancer. And uh, she's been great. Her book is awesome. And I am really looking forward to having her come back throughout the year and going over these topics. And our last podcast, which was our, our most recent podcast, was a special one. We traveled all the way down to Austin, Texas to speak with Adriana Aldean, a pancreatic cancer survivor um, who shared an amazing story of her journey with pancreatic cancer. And just really fascinating, I, I think, for some of our audience you know, this might be a little bit foreign because of, of where you live, but um, or just your 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 background and culture. And, and Adriana, you know, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, lived in Austin, Texas, and, and had to make a really hard decision, a financial decision, that uh, she couldn't afford care here in the United States. It was just too costly. Her insurance program; she had insurance. She had she had private insurance. She was an independent contractor. Um, and her insurance is just, it would bankrupt her and her husband. And so she made uh, a very hard decision, but uh, the right decision for her was to go to Mexico. She's also a Mexican citizen. She's an American citizen as well, but go back to Mexico, uh, live with family and get treatment at the cancer center there in Mexico City, uh, which is World Renowned Cancer Center and get the same type of treatment uh, but just not with the burden from the financial end that she would have here in the United States. So really, really, really amazing story. I mean, I think some of us uh, out there, you know, take the fact that whether we have insurance or we're covered under, you know, our spouse's insurance, 
and we have good insurance and, you know, we can go to the ER, we can go to see our general practitioners and, you know, we have co-pays, but, you know, a majority of people in the United States uh, don't have great insurance. And so this was just a, a, an amazing story on, on how she was, her and her husband really, um, you know, were able to navigate, you know, not only dealing with pancreatic cancer, but then dealing with this financial burden. And, and you know, we, we hope to do more on this topic. You know, there, there was some really compelling data uh, that just recently came out and, you know, talked about this burden of, you know, the cost of cancer, not just pancreatic cancer, but the cost of cancer as a whole and, and how much this cost of cancer is. And, and this was probably our first episode where we have heard from a family that the cost of getting treatment and the cost of you know, curative treatment in this case for her, because she was able to get the Whipple. Um, she didn't get the Whipple. She had a, a pancreatectomy, but, you know, in that same ballpark there in terms of, of, of surgeries that are available for someone diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, but we've never had anyone on that has said, Hey, like I couldn't afford it. And, you know, I couldn't do the treatments. She couldn't afford it here in the United States. And she, she sought the alternative, which was going to her, her uh, maiden country of Mexico. And because she was a Mexican citizen still, she was able to, to qualify, uh, you know, for care there in Mexico. And I think she mentioned, you know, it was like a third of the cost, um, you know, which is just so staggering. She did the same treatment protocol that she would have done here in the States. Um, it was just a third of the cost, which, you know, as an advocacy group and as a leader, I look at that and go, why is that? And how can that be, right? Here we are in 2022 and you have the same procedures being done just in different countries, but the cost is that much, is, is that dramatically different? Like, how can that be? Um, you know, and how is that fair, right? Like, how, how can that be fair to people battling this cancer? And so this was a, a really interesting intriguing and amazing interview with Adriana, because like I said, we've never gone down this road where we've never had someone say, Hey, like I couldn't do chemo cause I couldn't afford it. And, um, you know, I, I decided to seek treatment elsewhere in another country and was able to get the same type of, uh, treatment, same protocol. And she beat it and it cost a third of the cost. So really, really interesting, uh, interview. And it was a great one. And, uh, you know, it's truly, truly inspiring. Just think about it. Like you have to leave your house, go to Mexico or go to a foreign country, you know, for for months to get treatment and then come back. You know, it's just so, so inspiring and so powerful. So just a great episode, uh, great recap of episodes here over the last couple of weeks. Now I want to shift gears a little bit to what's going on in the science. And, you know, there was a, there was a very big conference that happens annually in San Francisco, which is called ASCO GI. It's a primary gastro uh, focus, which pancreatic cancer falls under the GI umbrella. So this was a, this was a very big conference. It was the first time it was held in person, I believe in the last two years since the, the pandemic started. And so a couple of things that came out of it, um, you know, one is collaboration. And, you know, I look at, you know, the space as a whole, and, and I think I've, I've said this on the podcast, 
I don't think we're ever going to find, you know, you know, really, really amazing discoveries by one individual center or one individual scientist. It may happen in a center if, if there if there's collaboration going on between different lines. And what do I mean by that? Like you've got a pancreatic cancer researcher, you've got a endocrinologist, you've got the gastro team. Um, you can see some major discoveries happening there if you've got all these groups working together, you know, and then you've got, you know, surgical and medical onc, um, you know, working together. But the real big thing that I saw from ASCO GI is there was a lot of collaboration. And, and this has really kind of been the push over the last couple of years, uh, not only from ourselves here at Project Purple with the way we fund research projects, but with other groups, uh, you know, PanCan and Lust Garden, Stand Up to Cancer has, has invested heavily in the, these collaborative groups. And we're starting to see kind of the fruits of that happening uh, with some some really cool research coming out, um, you know, from the bench, uh, which we hope, and I hope, uh, leads to uh, more discovery um, and early detection, better treatments for our patients. So there, there really was a, a lot of talk about collaboration within the uh, GI cancer space, in particular pancreatic cancer. The other main focus was just the fact that telehealth is here. It's probably here to stay for quite some time um, until we get out of that, which I think is a is a good thing. But uh, I also kind of caution that for patients at home. You know, if you, if you I, I've said this even if you go see doctors, but with the telehealth, if you don't feel comfortable with the response you're getting from that doctor, then, you know, go find someone that'll see you face to face. Cause I still think, you know, as great as telehealth was in terms of timing and in terms of getting in front of someone like really quick and not necessarily waiting in a waiting room for three hours. Cause they tried to squeeze you in at the last minute, you know, you can, you can get in to see a doctor probably a lot quicker via telehealth than you could, you know, physically, there's still something about the doctor actually physically seeing you seeing you in, in person, being able to touch your skin, feel your temperature, uh, see the see the whites of your eyes. And and as we know with this disease, you know, uh, jaundice is a is a you know an early warning sign, you know, is one of the symptoms. And sometimes with computers and screens, you know, that doesn't always come across uh, as clear. And so that's where I always recommend it's always great to see the person face to face. But telehealth, you know, is here um, and it's here to stay, uh, I think, for for the next couple of years. And, and hopefully, you know, there will be continue to be positives that come out of that. On the science side, the other big news that came out, and this comes out every January, is the American Cancer Society's report on cancer. And so some glaring things uh, for the pancreatic cancer space. Uh, one positive was our five-year survival rate is now uh, 11%. So we're slowly ticking upwards, which is a positive. So the five-year survival rate last year was 10, now it's 11. Hopefully we continue that trend and hopefully we can take greater leaps and bounds over the coming years. One note, um, nationwide, it is still the number three killer of cancers, um, of all the major cancers, but in uh, 18 states, it has now become number two. So you know, that's a little concerning. I, I know there's been some data, there was some data out there a while back that, you know, we were going to take that jump to number two. Um, eventually, um, I think it's, uh, you know, I think projected now, uh, potentially in 2024, I think uh, pancreatic cancer will become the number two killer potentially. But uh, as I said, in about 18 states nationwide, it is already the number two killer uh, 
you know, in those 18 states. So that's a little concerning. And so that's where we have to continue to do what we do in raising awareness, supporting groups, whether you support Project Purple, it's fantastic, or other groups in the space, or even your local hospital that has built or is building a, a pancreatic cancer center. We have to continue to move this thing uh, because as we know, statistically, um, you know, in terms of incidence rates, it's not gonna get any better. Uh, we are pushing to hopefully get that survival rate much, much higher. So now I wanna shift gears to what's happening here at Project Purple and leave you guys with some ideas, hopefully, on how you can get involved and, and also just share with what we are doing here at Project Purple. So, you know, the pandemic is what it is. Um, I tend to uh, try to plan, you know, things around uh, what we can do over the last two years, and, and that hasn't been much. Uh, but we are doing some things still uh, that anyone can get involved we're super excited for 2022. We've launched a virtual series um, again for this year, and we're going to have four quarterly events. Uh, we've got our Purple Patties 5K, which is uh, a, a recurring event from last year and the year prior, where we uh, we have a, a 5K. We, we shifted this year. Last year was a half marathon. This year, it's just a 5K on the weekend of uh, the 19th and 20th. And so we're super excited uh, for that event this year. That's our first event. And then we are gonna come back in uh, spring with our Dino's Double, our Work Harder event. It's not chemo, that's shifting to the summer. And then we will have our virtual turkey run in the fall in November right around Thanksgiving day. So those are uh, four of our in-house virtual events that we are super excited. The great thing about these guys is regardless of where you live, you can get involved, you can recruit family, friends, and we're just super excited to bring back that event um, and the rest of the events this year. We also are putting together a uh, participation medal. Um, if you participate in all four, you're going to get a special medal at the end of the year uh, for participating in our four virtual events. The other thing that's happening virtually, we've been successful in our Facebook community and building uh, virtual events on Facebook. And so we're excited. We launched our 132 mile challenge here in February and that thing is rocking. And uh, we are super excited about that. We are also gonna be doing three other uh, community events specifically and exclusively on Facebook. So if you follow us, make sure to uh, you know be on the lookout for the other three. Um, and if you don't follow us on Facebook, you, you want, you're going to want to follow us on Facebook so you can take advantage of uh, our virtual challenges on Facebook that we've built out over the last couple years. The other thing that we have going on in person, so if people are looking to get involved in in-person events, uh, we're excited to be back finally after two, a two-year hiatus at the New York City Half Marathon that's happening March 20th in New York City. I'm biased. It's my favorite half marathon. I think it's one of the best half marathons in the world. Uh, they do a great job. It's the only time you can run up Times Square uh, into Central Park and finish at the historic marathon finish line. And you get to go over a couple of bridges, which is always fun in New York because uh, you and 25,000 other friends and strangers uh, don't normally get an opportunity to run across a bridge without any traffic. Uh, so it's really, really a lot of fun. 
Uh, we are also back at the Lincoln Marathon in May. And so those are two spring events. We also have some events, uh, excuse me, some numbers for Grandma's Marathon in June. So those are three events here in the spring that are coming up that uh, we still have spots open for. We also will be at the Chicago Marathon, the Berlin Marathon, the London Marathon, and the New York City Marathon in the fall, along with the Twin Cities Marathon. Uh, so that's our fall lineup. And we also have an event in the summertime uh, with the Napa to Sonoma Half Marathon in uh, in Napa Valley. And that's a great race in the summertime. It's a great getaway, a great part of the country. So those are our races for the year. So we're super excited to be back to building out teams providing an in-person experience for people all around the country at some of the world's greatest races. The last thing I want to mention, um, you know, in terms of our activity this year, for those that live in the, the New York tri-state area here in Connecticut, even in New England, we have our charity golf classic coming back off the great success that we had last year. We'll be back at Shorehaven Country Club, one of two country clubs in the state of Connecticut on Long Island Sound beautiful, beautiful backdrop. And uh, that event's coming back to us in June, uh, June 6th, Monday, June 6th. So we are excited to be back uh, this year with our Charity Golf Classic. We moved it to the spring to hopefully give people an opportunity to take advantage of it. I know last year we did it in the fall. We're excited to have it in the spring at beautiful Shorehaven. There's plenty of sponsorship opportunities, foursomes, and we also will be having a really exciting raffle that anyone can participate in. You don't have to be at the golf outing, so be on the lookout for that information as we get closer to the golf outing. And naturally, we have our push-pull program uh, going on throughout the year, as well as a physical event. So if you work out at any CrossFit, any Barry's Boot Camp, Orange Theory or any type of fitness community, uh, and you're passionate about raising awareness and funds towards pancreatic cancer, you can simply put in our, our push-pull event into your gym to help support us do what we do. So that's a recap of uh, what's going on here at Project Purple, our science recap, and then our episode recap. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it's a little bit different than our, our usual content, but we hope to bring these from time to time as we build content and share the latest and greatest of what's going on in our podcast, what's going on in the science world, and then what's happening here at Project Purple. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Project Purple podcast. Feel free to share this episode and please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, until next time, please be safe. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. Mm -hmm.